0: Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for Everymind Welcome to another webinar hosted by founder of Everymind, Paul McGregor and head of HR, Zoe Parker In this episode we discuss imposter syndrome, signs, symptoms and solutions Paul and Zoe share their own personal stories and actionable tips of how to overcome it If you like these episodes and our podcast and you're wondering how you can give back Leave us a review on iTunes and share with a friend Enjoy the show Hello everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday webinar. I am Paul, the founder of Every Mind at Work, and I'm also joined by our head of HR, Zoe Parker. Before we start, because I think there's been a bit of technical issues that me and Zoe are facing, I don't know (laughs) whether it's my internet or Zoe's internet. Um, Can we just confirm, guys, you should see a chat box to the right-hand side, can you hear us okay? If you can let us know that you can hear us, just say yes in the chat box, that'd be great.
1: And me too. (laughs) That's great. Good
0: stuff. So excellent. Kate, Krishna, Samantha, Neil, Kelly, Corey, Catherine, Sandra, Gemma, Julian, Taylor, Nancy, Laura, Annabelle, and Michael. Good stuff. And Rachel. So, guys, thank you so much for for taking the time out to to join us on this webinar today. It definitely seems like a popular topic. I know I've had a couple of people ask us to do Mm. a session on it. And um, we are going to be talking about it in more detail together. Um, Lindsay's with Graham and Teresa as well. Good to see you all guys. So I'm just going to share my slides and hopefully you're going to be able to see them in a minute. But as you can see, the topic for today's webinar is dealing with imposter syndrome. And me and Zoe are going to probably share our own personal experiences on this session as well. But as always, if you've joined these webinars before, it's, it's important for us. If you do wanna get engaged and involved, then please do use the comment section below as well. Mm-hmm. So in terms of imposter syndrome, you know, if you've ever felt like you don't belong or you felt like you're not worthy of the position that you're in, we're obviously gonna be addressing the causes of imposter syndrome today and talk about how to manage it. We're gonna be looking at the five different types of, of people as well and personalities when it comes to feeling like an imposter. But again, just to kind of give you a bit of a recap, um, I'm Paul, the founder of Every Mind at Work, and I share my own personal experience of, of mental health and how that impacted me. And I'm joined by Zoe. Zoe, you just wanna give a little bit of a backstory
1: hi yeah my name is zoe and i've got gosh about about 20 plus years experience now in, in hr various roles in various sectors so uh i joined Everymind a couple of months ago but yeah but my background is is purely hr generalist so uh yeah that's me <laughs>
0: Zoe is the expert in terms of imposter syndrome. Before we kick it off, um, just to get some kind of engagement. And Zoe, I want you to share your thoughts on this as well. HR professionals, business leaders, it seems like imposter syndrome is, is something that you know people do struggle with. So if you feel like you have struggled with imposter syndrome in the past, just put a yes in, in the chat box and, and let us know. But Zoe, have you ever experienced this as a HR professional?
1: Yeah, personally, absolutely, yeah, and I'll I'll share which type I, I think I am later. Um, yeah, very much so throughout my career, um, and experienced seeing it with friends, colleagues. Um, I think it's so so widespread, and we probably don't even realize it. And you, and you may not necessarily label it, but when you hear about that, the types of things that you see and hear, you think, gosh, yes, that's that's me. Um, and it seems to have sort of um, um, a, a predisposition to women as well um which you know all, all the sort of research su- suggests that um you know probably think of think of some reasons why but i don't want to be uh, don't, don't want to giving those away just yet but um but yeah definitely i think it's it's a very very popular um topic i think that a lot of people have experienced yeah, and, it, and
0: it looks that way from everyone mm. saying yes in the chat box as well so yeah, even when you know Zari sent me the information for today, and obviously we've we've done some content within the EveryMind app itself on every in imposter syndrome, and and I also spoke spoken to our head of psychology, Lauren Callahan, before this call, and as I was going through all of the content that we're going to be sharing with you today, guys, I was like, that's me, that's me, that's <laughs> me, that's me. So I'm I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people being able to relate to a lot of the um, of what we talk about today. So. In terms of imposter syndrome, and, and what do we mean by imposter syndrome, it, it really is believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. Sometimes it's feeling like a fraud as one day you're going to be found out. Um, sometimes, you know, we believe that it's luck that got you where you are today and you don't really belong here. So, you know, right place, right time. I've, I've, I've known a lot of business leaders as well who always mm. say, oh, it was luck. You know, it was luck <laughs> why I got here today. And, you know, yes, luck might play a part in it, but, you know, it's not all luck. And mm-hmm. it's generally linked to being fearful of success, of failure, of rejection and of exposure as well. And I think that fear of rejection is, is really key at this point as well. Um, and in terms of what do people experience when dealing with imposter syndrome, it's chronic self-doubt, which can lead to anxiety. It's an unrealistic view of their self-worth, their skills, their experience. It's believing that their success can be attributed to other factors. Overly critical of work, compensating by overachieving or over-delivering or over-preparing, which, mm. you know, um, I'm sure we all do. And, and feeling disappointed when unrealistic goals are not achieved. I, I definitely can relate to that overly critical mm. of, of your own work. And and there's definitely a, a personality type, which we're going to be talking about in just a minute, which falls heavily into that as well. Mm. Um but in terms of you know if you're unsure whether this applies to you there's a couple of things that you can ask yourself and i think you know the first one is do you get upset and agonize over mistakes and overthink the scenarios so would you say this is something that you do
1: god yeah <laughs> all the time i mean i think i've shared before on these web- webinars I'm a, I'm a bit of a natural worrier anyway so i need to i need to really work hard at this and i i need to sort of practice what i preach and and really really think about what i'm doing because um yeah i i'm exceptionally self-critical and I over-analyze as well so if something goes wrong I'd be I'd be thinking gosh why has it gone wrong you know did I not did I not prepare well enough or did I not did I not know enough information or yeah a- absolutely it's um I think it's one of the classic traits isn't it that you sort of blame yourself um and and mm. overthink the situation I think the whole obviously we can talk about this leading to anxiety but I think this is a big part of it isn't it and that sort of anxiety overthinking procrastination catastrophizing you know whatever it might be but i think they're all linked to to, to sort of this type of scenario definitely
0: yeah and i I think like the biggest the biggest the biggest and longest argument that we all have is with ourselves right it's about (laughs) our mind our mind is always there arguing with us and it's that kind of person that sits on you know on our shoulder all the time Mm. and tells us a lot and it's something that we obviously need to 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 manage and, and monitor and which is what we're trying to do at every mind of course yeah it's you know do you believe your success is due to something or someone else again that's a a question that sometimes we have to ask it's Mm. do you procrastinate for fear of doing the wrong things or putting stuff off and Mm. we're going to talk about perfectionism today as well and how you can overcome that but definitely procrastination is something that you know people that feel like they're imposters always um struggle with as well and sensitive or overly sensitive to constructive criticism as you see it as failing and i know personally you know um, I like those words of affirmation. I like to sometimes mm. be told that I'm doing a good job or I like to be told that, you know, things are going okay. And, and I constantly need that affirmation via words. And, and sometimes I, in the past, I've definitely been overly sensitive to constructive criticism as you've seen it as something that you've done or you're trying to please others. Mm. And it's something that you've maybe felt like you've let people down and it can definitely, definitely weigh on your mind as well. But I know I'm going through this quite quick, guys. But we have sort of got action steps that you can take, and I really want to get to the, the meat of this this webinar session today. But in terms of causes of imposter syndrome, I think there's there's a lot, and again, we're we're kind of generalizing here. And like I said, when I spoke to to Lauren Callahan, our head of psychology, she kind of agreed as well. I think you know a lot of it does come down to that conditioning, and upbringing as well. Sometimes you know and. There was something that i was once told by a coach of mine and and he said we're all victims of victims and that really stood with me because it's Mm -hmm. almost like we're always conditioned by our parents and, and and you know they're conditioned by their parents and their parents are conditioned by their parents and it passes down and that conditioning can of course lead us to to feel certain ways or react in certain ways and you know experience and and see life in different ways as well um so definitely conditioning and upbringing plays a massive part And as well, starting a new job, fear of failure, being caught out by your new colleagues, starting university or school, not feeling like you belong or fit in with others in your classes. On that, Zoe, you know, starting a new job in in your career and your experience um, and and being within HR, it might not have been yourself. But have you seen this been a big issue amongst employees that they fear that when they're starting a new job, they, they don't fit in or they might not be able to achieve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it, it, you, you're going into possibly, you know, a different sector, a different type of organisation, uh, you, you know, unless you keep on going into the same sector and the same size, for example, of organisation where, you know, the infrastructure is very, very similar, you know, unless you're doing that and even then it's it's change, isn't it? So so that change in itself is, is a source of anxiety. And I think if you're going in and you're starting a new position, you know, you've got new colleagues you've got new processes new systems new ways of working new environment you know everything is different and so i think it would be i think it would be strange if if we didn't feel um a sense of sort of anxiousness or um a feeling that perhaps we we're, we're not going to be, we're not going to know everything we're not going to be able to do everything as well as we used to because that rhythm and routine that you get in with your existing employer you know you, you know what you need to do you know what's expected and and it's almost like a fear of the unknown, really, because you don't know what you're walking into. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that you know when you are inducted into in, into a new company that all of those fears are, are, are sort of tried to tried to be addressed, really, because I think otherwise it just adds to those thoughts in your head that you're not mm. going to know everything, you're perhaps going to make a mistake, or you're not going to live up to expectations, or you are going to be a fraud and, and you're going to be found out. So I think I've I've seen that repeatedly over the years and particularly were employees of of joined companies where it's totally different i think that, that 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 just magnifies those feelings that you that you perhaps already had. definitely
0: yeah and like you said it's really important for employers to really diminish those those fears and those challenges early yeah. on as well and really kind of show a yeah. hum- human side again i guess mm. um Definitely. Because just, just from seeing everyone's yeses in, in the comments section, you know, this is something that a lot of us experience. And, and when you feel like that imposter within a company, you feel like you're the only one as well, right? You feel like you're the only one experiencing that. So it's yeah. really important to have these open conversations as well. Yeah, definitely. So- We really wanted to highlight the different types of imposter syndrome and and how to manage them as well. And I think it always comes back to how our our ethos here at Every Mind at Work, which is mental health is so individual. And there really is no one size fits all approach that that anyone can take. Mm. So we have to kind of look at the different types of imposter syndrome and also what actions you can take to try and address it and and try to, to manage it as well. So when we go through these, you might see some commonalities behind you know how you how you face um you know work or whatever it is outside of work and just let us know again if you want to use the the chat box to share any Mm -hmm. of your thoughts on any of these points feel free to do so as well so um if we start with the perfectionist and apologies for the slides i don't know why it's done there the perfectionist focuses on how something gets done so in terms of the perfectionist, they often experience chronic worry and self doubt, which stems from setting unrealistic goals, which may never be reached. Um, these individuals are sometimes described as control freak freaks. You know, they crave accuracy and a hundred percent, a hundred percent perfection on everything that they do. And they often feel it'd be better to, to do the tasks themselves as opposed to delegating it. Now, um, I thought I would lead with um, perfectionist because that is me. And yeah, Lindsay, you're spot on. You could tell that I was a perfectionist. <laughs> the first thing that I said was the slides messed up, right? Yeah. And, I, and I did. I did these slides today. Um, so, perfectionist. I, I. That is something that's helped me personally back for for a long time in my in my business um, career. Uh, and in and anything in general. And, you know, in terms of when I discovered, when I started to have people within my team, one of the things that I had to really address was my perfectionism, because I think as that last point I was was stating, you know, sometimes I feel like, God, I'll just do it, I'll do that, I'll do yeah. that, because I want this to be a certain level. and And me stepping back and addressing that perfectionism has really helped me manage and lead as well, because, you know, it's stepping back and allowing other people to do it in their own ways. And not feeling like i have to control every element um, of the business and every element of the team um and even definitely stuff like you know just creating content and and sharing stuff on social media it took me a long time to start sharing videos on social media about mental health because you know everything had to be perfect the light in my hair you know the shirt that i was wearing and, and everything so you know, I got called out on a couple of occasions and said, you're trying to tell your story, you're trying to help other people. But your ego is letting you not because you're too worried about how you look and, and all of that. And, and they called me out and it made sense. So definitely I've had to learn over the last couple of years to drop my perfectionism. Um, Zoe, would you say you're a perfectionist?
1: God, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about this, Paul, haven't we? And I, I I struggle with it and I'd be the I'd be the first um to admit that i i struggle with it and i probably am a bit of a control freak um and but but i think in in response to what you've just said i think I think the way you've dealt with it over the years and, and now your, um, I guess your, your your viewpoint of it, make, I suppose, helps other perfectionists. Because if I, like, I mean, we've we've talked, haven't we? And I've gone, oh gosh, there's a spelling mistake in there and you've been more chilled about it. And I've been, oh my, you know, oh my goodness. You know, like the world, the world is about to end because we we put, you know, a post on social media and it had one tiny mistake. But my perfectionist, sort of traits almost like zoom in on that and i think uh, i think we talked didn't we about as as well because the roles that i've carried out and you know we we are used to perhaps um you know checking contracts or checking perhaps a disciplinary letter or a settlement agreement or you know making sure that that's legally perfect so I think naturally as HR professionals we're we're used to dealing with um things having to be right and knowing that if they're not right perhaps you know a lawyer or an employee or or somebody else will 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 pick us up on that so I think I think that's probably that's probably why I've, I've, I've got the you know the traits I have and and that I've had to work really Really hard at, 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 at sort of pulling back from that. And people often say to me, just go with the 80-20 rule. And you know, I should have when I hear that, because it, it's it, I struggle to do it, I still struggle mm-hmm. to do it, and I have to really, really try. Um, you know, but 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 there's something sort of innate in me that 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 sort of equates mistakes with almost like failing and oh my god, you know, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna think you're the worst person ever because of this mistake which is totally blowing it out of proportion and totally an unreasonable mm. thought but I think you battle in your in your head with those thoughts if you if you have these types of traits definitely so yeah it's a it, it's a it's a tough one it's it's a discipline to really really question yourself on it absolutely
0: yeah and, and like you said it's definitely a process I've got better over the years but um you know even yesterday I was doing a graphic and. You know, I was I was showing someone how to do the graphic and, and I must have spent about two minutes just making sure the logo was in the center, like <laughs> making sure that it was dead in the center. And, and then even they said, you know, why did you spend so long? Like, it looked fine.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so I, I can't I constantly check myself and watch myself. But I think mm. I've, I've learned a lot about perfectionism from um, a recent client that I was doing a lot of work with. You know, he was someone who just did not micromanage me. He did mm. not worry, he had certain stuff that he wanted in place, but he was very much, you know, free, you go and do what you want, and I trust you in that. And and that's something that I've learned from and, and tried to adopt as well um, with, with everyone yeah. in the team is is you know very much, you know, go and go and sort of you know make this role your own and, and try not to micromanage. I'm gonna come back yeah. to some of the comments in a section in a second, but I think in terms of the action steps that we come up with is, is trying to select, celebrate achievements and don't focus on that could have been better like those those small wins like you know you always kind of remind yourself of maybe that one negative response to an email that you wrote about 10 times and then rewrote and then didn't send and then send and then it come back and it was a negative response we always dwell on that rather than the probably 10 20 30 40 emails that we get that are positive every Mm -hmm. week so it's kind of celebrating those those small achievements it's um you know when we complete tasks and and it's, it's remembering that it doesn't have to be 100% perfect, that taking action is the most important step here. Yeah. It's viewing any mistakes as learning opportunities, which I think this is going to probably play a part in all of these different um, personality types that we're going to be talking yeah. about. But it's also pushing yourself to start tasks and accepting there'll be a no, there'll never be a perfect time and a perfect outcome. And I think it's like you said, perfectionism s- stops us from taking action. And there's definitely. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, there's excuses around perfectionism mm. of why we can't start this job or start this task mm. or, or do this. And, and it definitely holds us back. So as soon as we yeah. can address it, the, 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 the more important. Um, Corey says delegation is a great way to add value to people's jobs and roles day to day, but also free up your own capacity. Yeah, 100 yeah. percent, Corey. Um, and Emma says I'm a control freak. I've had to learn to step back and appreciate that mm. others deal with things differently it's really hard and I still struggle. It's hard to lower your expectations. Yeah, definitely. Um, And many of this could also fit in with low self-esteem. How is this different? Many people with low self-esteem feel a fraud, self-critical, and that they're not good enough Mm -hmm. to be in their role. Yeah, very, very valid point. And actually, we're going to address that as well because as I was going through this today, I was sort of saying to myself exactly the same thing. A lot of this comes down to to low self-esteem. So we're we're going to address that as well um, towards the end as well. So perfectionists, any perfectionists, just say yes. If you are a perfectionist, just want to see how many there are before we move on to the next one. (laughs) Yeah, lots of yeses coming in. Okay, cool. Um, next one, Zoe, do you want to take this one?
1: Yeah, so, so the next one is, is the superhero. And, and, and this is effectively measured um, on sort of how many roles or areas they can juggle um, all at the same time, but then still really excel in them. So they're sort of convinced that, you know, they're that they're a fake and they're not worthy of, of their position. So they push themselves even harder to almost prove that they're worthy of being there. Uh, and that in turn can, can turn into sort of like workaholic type behaviours so it it can cause sort of wider problems around sort of relationships or your home life Um, it means that you you sometimes think that you know you need to be first in the office or first to log on in the morning and then last you know last out at night or or working late at night because you've almost got something to, to prove and I think it's it, 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 it's it's that sort of it, the, the feeling that it's that it's never enough and you know your job and the job that you've got um doing doing well in that it, it is not enough and actually you need to sort of like overcompensate and, and think that you can juggle lots and lots of different things um sometimes it's a perception that that downtime is wasteful so sort of taking that time to have self-care have that downtime so sometimes you often feel as though you should be working you should be doing something else and actually you're not being productive if if, if you're taking that downtime, which obviously isn't the case. But um, and I think, as Paul said at the start, a lot of these will will overlap. Um, it may be, I mean, I know I, I can sort of see myself in in, in three different, you know, of these types, and and some of the things, you know, some of the actions will, will overlap, and some of the some of the behaviors and the things that you see will overlap. But I think the predominant focus here is is trying to do more, trying to juggle more, trying to prove that you can excel in in even more than just your your core role. So in terms of those action steps, I think it's it's often a byproduct of of working long hours, you know, being sort of excessive at the weekends or whatever, that your hobbies and passions tend to fall by the wayside or or become second best because you're not seeing them as a priority. The same with the perception that downtime is wasteful. You might think that actually if you go for a run or, you know, do a yoga class or whatever it might be, or, or even just sit and read a book, you might you might think, of that as being wasteful because you're not doing something more productive when actually that that self-care is is just as important um and it's also about learning that, that that sort of external validation shouldn't be consuming your thoughts. So Paul mentioned at the start about that affirmation, which, you know, I think to some degree we, we all crave that, don't we? Everybody likes being told that they've done a good job or, or that piece of work was really great or it was really helpful. But I think when that consumes your thoughts that actually you're not enough and you need that constant validation or, you know, I, I guess I, I sort of describe it as, as people. People pleasing. I think a lot of these traits can um, mm-hmm. can manifest themselves in, in a people pleasing type behaviour. That you think well. You know, if everybody's not happy with me and think that I'm doing a great job, then I'm obviously not doing a great job. When clearly that isn't the case, but that people pleasing in itself can can create anxiety and um, 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 more sort of worries. And then on point three, that, that constructive criticism, you can then take it personally. So. It, you know constructive criticism is meant to be a positive but if you're not in the right frame of mind to to accept that and, and 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 you know they say feedback is a gift don't they and you don't have to accept it and you take from it those those elements that you feel that you need to work on but I think if you're in that mindset that everything you do is wrong and you're not good enough um sometimes that criticism can really be be taken personally so I think the fourth point about that positive self-talk and that positive internal validation in itself helps you build that confidence. I mean, I, I often try and say to myself, what evidence have I got? You know, what, what what evidence can I see, can I hear to almost like validate those negative thoughts that I'm having? And often, you know, being more positive in, in your thinking can talk yourself out of that. And, and I think there's a lot to be said for or almost like internally thinking that you're you're good enough and, and reminding yourself that you don't need that sort of affirmation and you don't need that validation from everybody else that you're you're, that you're good enough and, the, and you having the thoughts that you're good enough is it is enough or should be enough but um but yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's a tough one
0: yeah and i think on that note samantha said you are enough is a daily mantra i'm trying to remember the need for external validation is high, but I'm working on it. Um, yeah, yeah, so definitely, I think as you say that that superhero sometimes is 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 doing a lot to keep themselves busy, and and I can relate to this as well. And I can also mm-hmm. relate to my I think my dad was was that superhero trait as well, with someone who everyone relied on. My dad, my dad was always busy, and I think you know that busyness was my dad's way of almost distracting himself from from the internal issues that obviously he was experiencing um, when he mm-hmm. was. So. It's definitely something I can relate to. And I think Emma's made a really good point as well. She says, I feel like people can take you for granted if you are a superhero. Oh, Emma will do it. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, and you're kind of almost relied on in a way. And how many times have we heard, mm. you know, I'll go, you know, HR will be able to deal with that or, or go and speak to your manager. They'll be able to deal with that. And everything's yeah. always passed on to mm. the superhero. So I definitely think that's, that's a trait that a lot of people face um, when it comes to being an imposter syndrome as well my perfectionism kicking oh, in as well the natural genius i can
1: i can confirm that the slides were perfect they were great, they? i don't know what's happened <laughs> <laughs> there's
0: there an even whip on, on the edge of it as well oh, um, oh. but yeah the, the, natural, the natural genius they, they care about how and when accomplishments happen so um typically you know if, if they spend a lot of time on a task and it takes them longer to achieve something it's the worst that they feel I can definitely um, relate to that as well. Delia, yeah, we'll send you a copy of the slides. I'll give you my email afterwards and I can send that over to you. Um, I always used to be obsessed with these six week challenges, right? I have to get this in six weeks. I have to, you know, do this within 12 weeks. And it was always within this short period of time because if I said to myself, I wanna get a six pack in the next three years, you know, I had to get it done very, very quickly. and, And I had to, you know, over excel in being able to do that. Um, it's setting high targets, it's expecting everything to be completed quickly and, and accurately as well the first time round. And it's having an expectation that natural ability will continue and, and asking for help is a weakness. I think that's a really important part with this one. If you are that kind of natural genius in a way and you want everything to be done to a high standard and to be done quickly, asking for help is is, is very, very difficult. And I think the action steps that we've put here is, again, reframing your thinking, using affirmations or different mantras that obviously you can use to see yourself as a work in progress and knowing that not everything's going to be done to such a, a high standard. It's knowing that learning and growing is a natural part of life um, and succeeding quickly at everything first time round is unrealistic. It's facing new challenges positively. And at the same time, it's not avoiding certain aspects because you don't believe that you're going to be able to achieve them and you believe you're going to fail. I think the natural genius, Zoe, is definitely someone that maybe at school had always achieved well or there was a pressure yeah. for them to achieve well, you know, like... Yeah. Um,
1: Straight A's. And, and in, I think that,
0: yeah. that, that has, yeah, it has an impact because then when you carry that mm. into work or maybe you was really good at sport, every sport, yeah. and you and was always told you was very good. When you carry that into the workplace, um, it can be a challenge as well.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. Would you say I that you can relate it, to that? Yeah, I think it ties in as well to, to your upbringing, doesn't it? And I can totally see how your upbringing can sort of shape different different types. I mean, you know, you may have had a really supportive family, but that family may have had high expectations. I mean, you know, you, you hear the phrase about, you know, like soccer mums and things like that, don't you, or, or people. Um, I think there's even documentaries about it like dance mums and soccer mums and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Are really pushing their kids and and, and almost it's you know it's it, it's them because it makes them feel good and they're pushing and pushing and pushing and actually you know it, it, a lot of it's for, for their own self-worth and and to say you know look at my daughter what she's done or, or, or whatever it might be and I think that in itself can can shape um, you know, different feelings, different, you know, different possible anxieties, because you think you're not going to live up to that expectation. And it can almost be as worse as, uh, as you know, maybe having family that aren't interested. I mean, so uh, I'm not for one minute suggesting that, you know, that that's a positive, that that's that's not a positive, but it. But it potentially shapes a different type of imposter syndrome, um, depending on whether they're overly supportive, which could be seen as pushy as well, um, or whether they're not interested and they just leave you to it. But maybe you've not got the support element there. So, yeah, it it can it can it can foster very, very different behaviours, I think, as you're growing up. Um, And you're conditioned then, aren't you, to, to thinking a certain way from from what you've seen and heard as you're growing up?
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think expectations, expectations are something that we've spoken about on previous webinars and and mm. expectations has been a challenge that a lot of people had during this lockdown stage, you know, and I think you can yeah. look at it in a couple of ways, expectations from your employer, expectations from your manager, like what mm. are they expecting of you? And yeah. then the second one is expectations of yourself, right? So now I'm working from home. I've got more time, so I need to be able to do more work. You know, I'm not going to be distracted. I've got to be highly productive. And all, and, and all of a sudden as well, you're also saying, oh, my boss is really expecting more of me, so I've got to put more yeah. work in. Yeah. You know, I, I've definitely struggled with that expectations um, point myself. of always feeling like other people expect more of me. And then when you have an open conversation with them, they're like, no, 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 you're doing fine. Like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. So yeah. it's definitely something to address.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um and I like Lindsay says, loving the descriptive meaning <laughs> and the, you have just described me to a T. I am a You're genius. genius. Yeah. You are a genius, Lindsay. We're all we're all geniuses in our own way, right? Yeah. Um the fourth one, um Zoe, can you say
1: this one? Yeah. So the so the soloist. So so this sort of um, type sort of cares mostly about who completes the task and it's it, it, it's sort of the, the, the perception that asking for help is is seen as a is, is a weakness um if you ask for help then that means that you're a fraud you know you don't necessarily know what you're doing and you're you're almost like revealing you know your, your true self to to be fraudulent and that you shouldn't actually be there and it's and it's often a feeling of you having to achieve alone um you know it might have been a task or it might have been a you know project or, or, or whatever it might, might might be this feeling that if you ask for help other people will think oh well actually she doesn't know what she's doing you know she can't she can't do this on her own um and it also can manifest in in potentially deflecting away from themselves so say for example you know you're you're on a project or or a piece of work um, a tendency to, to to not say I need help here. You know, I'm really struggling with this. I could really use some help. Um, you, you would perhaps phrase it as you know, the project needs or such and such a body needs, or and, and not really opening yourself up and being candid about who needs the help here, because there's a perception that if it's you personally that needs the help, then that could be a failure. That 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 could be seen as as a weakness on on your part. So I think I think knowing that you've got a support network there and feeling, I guess, feeling confident and feeling, feeling that you can trust that support network and that it's an open and safe environment to actually ask for help. And I think if you've got that type of culture where, you know, asking for help isn't seen as a weakness and, and that people will be supportive and the more that you do that, the more it reinforces those messages. I think re- re- refraining from comparing yourself to others as well. I mean, again, this this type of trait probably overlaps into in, into the various types. But I think we're terrible, aren't we, at comparing ourselves to others? Um, you know, I think I think that's most sort of the prevalent as well when you look at social media. Um, I mean, I you know I personally have a have a bit of a love hate relationship with social media. I think there are real real positives, but it's sometimes you can either compare yourself to others and you think gosh that person's got a perfect life um and it probably is the case that they haven't but that's what they're portraying on social media and equally if if you're not portraying your true self on there um that in itself can sort of eat away at you and and be damaging your own self-worth so i think i think building that sort of internal positive self-talk and building your own self-awareness has got to be the first step um and then you know clearly Portraying a more, you know, true image of yourself on social media is, is a good tip and, and won't sort of make you feel, um, you know, less worthy or as though somebody else has got a fabulous life and you haven't. So I think you have to start with yourself before you even look at um, the issues with perhaps confer- comparing yourself to, to others. But I think the key the key here is that you you don't have to achieve alone. I mean, in life, very, very few things, you know, you're doing 100% on your own. I mean, most of it involves some elements of input from other people or teamwork or, you know, everybody has their own strengths. Everybody has their own things that they bring to the table. Um, and that's to be said for any team or, or, you know, piece of work or project, whatever it might be. Even in a family situation, you know, you'll have people that are um, better at dealing with things or have experiences that perhaps you haven't got. So just using that network, but be it a family or friends network, be it a, a work network of colleagues, is just so important. And, and you know, I, I would suggest that very, very few things are completely standalone. And I don't think there's any expectation that you should succeed a hundred percent on your own because i don't think that's a, a realistic expectation either so it, it, i think the crux of it is asking for help isn't it and making sure that that you have yeah. supported people around you definitely
0: yeah and I, again like I, i'm reading some of the comments that are coming in and there's mm. lots of people agreeing and also at the same time making some some really valid points as well um if i just start with, with kelly kelly says she can see elements of all four in herself mm. and and over the years is improved in some of those areas, still not there by any means, but good to know I'm progressing slowly. And I think that, Kelly, mm-hmm. is, is one of the most important things of this whole session because number one, it's good that loads of people on this session can relate because then it makes yeah. us feel like we're not the only ones feeling this yeah. way, right? But secondly, it's knowing that it is that journey. There's no like light bulb moment that all of a sudden we're not going to become a perfectionist anymore or, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're not going to struggle to ask for help. But it is that that process and that self-awareness of this is me and i need to try and yeah. do something about it and it's definitely going to take um some time um, Corey made a really good point and, and i'll share my my thoughts on this and so feel free to chime in but he says can definitely um resonate with the soloist i often struggle to reach out for help and in my role i feel i should know everything and have all the yeah. answers which I know isn't possible or realistic. I do wonder if this is quite a male trait, e.g. men less likely to go to a GP, mm. et cetera. Um, I think, you know, ask, asking for help is definitely bordering into vulnerability, right? You know, yeah. and, and as a, as a, as a man, I, I knew personally that when I was dealing with what I was dealing with, depression, anxiety, struggling to deal with, obviously the grief around uh, my dad's suicide, you know, I didn't talk to anyone about it. And I, I bottled it up and I kept it to myself and I tried to deal with it on my own. Now, I did have that support network, people reaching out and saying, hey, you know, talk to us if you want. But I, I think, as you said, it's if I do talk to someone about it, I'm making myself vulnerable and that wasn't yeah. comfortable for me at the time. So I think definitely as a, as a, as a soloist or, or someone that fears reaching out to people, it is that embracing vulnerability in a way and knowing that being vulnerable doesn't make you weak, it doesn't make mm-hmm. you, um, you know, someone who can't handle the pressures or handle your job and I think definitely as a a HR professional and Mm. and a business leader or a line manager we do get scared of vulnerability because if I'm vulnerable then maybe you're judging my performance you're judging me as someone who can handle the work that I've got right so um, definitely I I think people can relate to that um, Corey as well
1: and, and I think, and I think, just to put a bit of an HR slant on it, and I know we've 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 got lots of sort of, um, you know, HR generalists on on the call. I think, by virtue of of the nature of our role, i.e., you know, generalist, I think. You know, we we do have to wear you know hundreds of different hats, and I think I felt over the years because I've always been been a generalist. I've I've never specialised, and although I have you know certain elements that I enjoy or I think perhaps I'm I'm slightly better at that than others, you know I've always been a generalist. But I think we are expected to have the answer to you know anything remotely people related, and I think particularly again if you're in a smaller organisation that perhaps perhaps hasn't got the different... Different subject matter departments um, obviously if you're in a bigger organization you, you know you might have a talent acquisition department um, you might have a comms department or, and so you wouldn't necessarily be, be expected to have um, the depth of knowledge perhaps if you were in a, a smaller company but I think just by nature of, of of it being such a wide-reaching role you you think that you need to know the answers to everything and you think that when a, when a line manager comes to you with with a problem that Um, that you have to know the answer and and, and sometimes it is difficult to sort of think oh gosh I don't know that I'm going to have to go away and look into it and that in itself can can almost like you you can beat yourself up about it because you think gosh well I'm the HR person I, I must know this but I think it's important to remember that you know because hr covers so many different topics you know we are not going to have all the answers to everything all the time it, it's just not possible and and it's almost like you know to give ourselves a bit of a break and know that you know that we're doing the best we can with the knowledge that we have but we are not going to be an expert in every single subject area of hr because that, yeah. would, that would be pretty imp- pretty impossible yeah yeah
0: I think I was just thinking, then I, I might I might share this on LinkedIn. I don't know whether I've seen it somewhere else, but I was like, the three words that are hardest to say is not "I love you," it's "I don't know," right? Sometimes, <laughs> like, I don't I don't know is the hardest thing ever. Like you know, even yeah, I had to get used to. I had to drop my ego because I share from personal experience. And when I was going into companies and doing talks about mental health, and someone might say, "Hey, you know, um, I'm really struggling with this. What would you advise?" You know it's it dangerous for me to start trying to answer that mm-hmm. that isn't something based on my personal experience so i had to learn to drop that ego and just say mm-hmm. i don't know but at the same time you know afterwards if you come up I, I can show you a couple of resources within that area signpost you to some professionals that might be able to help mm-hmm. and and that still didn't sit right with me just to stand there yeah. in front of everyone and go i don't i don't know the answer to that um but i think it's so important that we we are mm-hmm. able to be able to say those those three words yeah sort of I love you right um <laughs> the, fifth, the, fifth, the fifth one is the expert so it's good right everyone wants to be an imposter syndrome now because they're going to be geniuses and experts and perfect and, and all of this <laughs> um but that's of course the downfall to to, to this uh, as well but the expert is is the knowledge version of the perfectionist it's um looking at obviously what and how much knowledge that they have it's also as well the belief that more knowledge equals to more competence. So again, you never stop learning. So I always sometimes talk about the self-improvement trap that sometimes you can learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and, learn, and you're always learning and at the same time you're not taking action on those learnings so you're not actually okay. applying. It. Um, you know, I, I look at my dad, my dad meditated, my dad did Reiki, my dad did yoga, my dad ran every day. My dad ran, read some of the most you know valuable self-help books I've ever read as well. But at the same time, I think what my dad got into was that trap of learning and learning, but not taking mm. action on it. And, and again, you know, I've definitely fallen into that trap myself um, and often they'll actively seek additional training or qualifications to satisfy this need to be the expert as well, and in terms of the action steps, again, everything kind of crosses over as we've said, but try to base any new learning on actual requirements as opposed to just in case this happens. So what is it that you want to learn and you you want to take action on? Um, I think sometimes with self-help books, I always kind of say, now don't read it from cover to cover, maybe read 10 pages. And then once you've read those 10 pages, do something about those 10 pages before you move on um, to the rest as well. It's seeking out new information um, which can obviously turn into procrastination sometimes as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, in mm. marketing, I always call it the shiny, the shiny object syndrome. You know, you, you do, you do, if you want to start a business, if you want to do something, you, you look at one way of doing it and you start doing it and then you Google a better way of doing it. And then that distracts mm. you over here and then distracts you over here. And it's that shiny object syndrome of there's always a better way of doing it. Mm. And then you never get anything done. Right. Um, it's again, asking for help and using your support network, seeking mentors, um, bringing these thoughts into perspective and challenging any negativity and, and mentoring or coaching a more junior colleague can help you both as it can reinforce your knowledge and experience. So I think that's really key as well. You know, yes, getting a mentor. For yourself but at the same time being open to mentoring others and that can really really help drive this this forward as well so um in terms of being the expert Zoe again (laughs) I'm guessing with HR professionals and you know especially within the corporate environment you know you want to be that expert you want to be seen as that expert as well
1: yeah d- definitely and and uh, and i I can totally resonate with the sort of seeking out more information and, and that and it's t- in, in itself can turn in, into procrastination so i mean i I personally like employment law, but you could go on and on and on couldn 't you and sometimes you know if I had like a sticky case or whatever and I would research and research and research and maybe talk to a lawyer and say this is what i 'm thinking or and and, and sometimes if it 's really complicated you know you 're not going to get a black and white answer, and I would tend to you know i I would tend to sort of dig and dig and dig and dig and dig to uh, to try and satisfy the need for knowing absolutely everything about whatever the scenario was and and that in itself is is not healthy it can lead to procrastination um and it can also lead to being fearful of trying so you sort of think gosh this is so important but i still don't think i know enough about it so i'm not going to jump in you know just just yet and it's this sort of trying isn't it and it's it's so linked into coaching and you know having that sort of growth mindset not seeing see, see, sort of reframing it as, as as being a positive not as being a failure um but you know all those things that are, are disciplines are aren't they that we have to practice and they and they don't come they don't come naturally and, and that's why I think you know none of this is a silver bullet, is it? It's things that you have to practice and 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 you have to um, tell yourself on a regular basis that um, that there yeah. is another way and have that positive affirmation, definitely.
0: Yeah, and again, like hopefully these these tips, guys, like I say, there's something you can take away and, and start working on. And and again, I think the key thing with with learnings is is having that self awareness first of, of being able to feel mm-hmm. understood of this is me, and then what can I do about it? Um, mm-hmm. So guys, just put in the chat box. I'm just gonna quickly come back. Oh, my perfectionism's kicking in again. Um, what would you say is the most <laughs> related to you? So would you say you're, you're the perfectionist? Would you say you're the superhero, the natural genius, the soloist, or the expert? I mean, if there's a couple, again, feel free to share them. But what mm-hmm. would you say that um, resonates with you the most? Um, Corey says the soloist. Samantha says the perfectionist, the superhero. Um Delia says the soloist. Vicky says 50-50, the perfectionist and the expert. Corey says a bit of perfectionist. Uh Kelly says perfectionist and soloist. Emma says probably a mix of all. Gillian says the perfectionist. Samantha says the perfectionist. Yeah. So um there's definitely, as you can kind of see here, we're not alone here, guys. There's there's so mm. many people feeling the same <laughs> way. Um Joe yeah. says a perfectionist and expert. Lindy says we're all a bit of a superhero. Yeah. We have a perfectionist, a natural genius, and an expert uh taylor natural genius george probably perfectionist catherine says a mix of all laura says a mix yeah. of all cases traits and all you says a mix of all um yeah it's good stuff so definitely what do you say zoe is your your most dominant one
1: um the, the the dominant one is is definitely perfectionist but i think i've got traits of expert and superhero definitely um but i think if yeah. i had to pick one it would be it would be perfectionist yeah i i i, I don't th- i'm yeah. not frightened of asking for help so i don't think i don't think soloist really really applies um uh, but but yeah you could you could you could take bits from all of them but definitely the dominant one is is perfectionist probably and driving everyone mad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And it's, it's like you said, it's definitely a journey. I think like, you know, I, as you said, you're okay asking for help now, but I'm sure at one point you wasn't, you know, the same with me, the same with everyone. So I think it's yeah. it's definitely that process that we go definitely. through. And, and like a lot of people said, there's definitely a mix of all as well. So yeah. um, just finally, I'm going to go through these really, really quickly. And, and like I said, I'm happy to send you these slides, guys. I'm just going to put my email here. If you drop me an email, paul at work.com. Talking and typing, who says men can't multitask, right? Um, PaulEveryMindAtWork.com. If you drop me an email, I'm happy to send you these slides. There should be a replay that goes out as well. But in terms of wellbeing tips as well, just to kind of obviously, you know, summarize something that you can take away, it's, it's building your self-awareness and acknowledging your own feelings. So, you know, not being afraid of saying, I'm a perfectionist, but having that self-awareness, I think is the key part is, is when you know that, it's how can I, how can I manage that and how can I deal with that? Um, it's understanding your real strengths and areas for development, and to support your actions. Definitely, for me, like being a perfectionist is, is, is definitely held me back. But at the same time, it's it's been very impactful and in a positive way as well in a lot of cases. So um, I think it's using this to our to our own strength. Mm. Reframing failure as experimentation and growing, nurturing your support system, and talking more openly about your feelings. extremely common particularly in women so you're not alone um definitely making sure that support system's in place keep an achievement journal linked to acknowledging your feelings and being grateful um we we've spoken about journaling before it's definitely a good tool to use developing a quick response plan so ie negative self-talk for example um whereas my evidence so i think that's key as well almost we've spoken about the need to plan having that kind of quick response plan is, is 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 helpful as well Trying to overcome perfectionism by setting more realistic goals, obtaining feedback on their suitability. Um, I think perfectionism for me, what helped was just taking action, breaking those comfort zones, doing it more than once, letting it go, and then you can kind of, it it helps in a way once you've done that. Celebrating your successes and owning those achievements. You did it and no one else. Um, I think that's massively helpful. Music really helps me with that. I don't know if you've ever done this before anyone has. But like when when you've had a, a small achievement, I, I sometimes play music and celebrate it. Um, <laughs> the wife walks in and goes, "What are you doing? Are Why you doing? are you listening to that song again?" <laughs> but, but it's it's and it's defi- it definitely definitely like ce- celebrating our own wins. If we're someone who mm. isn't very confident, we haven't got high self belief, we just naturally won't do it. Like as you say, mm. you you've done something that's that's been good, but you'll typically push that onto someone else. Mm. You won't really feel that that positivity. So I think it's we have to force ourselves sometimes to celebrate our successes. Um, number nine is don't generalize the situation. I couldn't do this thing, so I must be rubbish at everything I do. Uh, mm. And being careful on social media, limiting usage and ensuring it's not creating a more harmful self-image. So comparing yourself to the highlight reel that, of course, we all see um, on social media as well. So, like I said, hopefully those those tips help. Um, just before we 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 wrap up um, and and take any questions that you might have, someone made a really good point. I think it was I think it was Chris um, about obviously self belief. Now, I, I believe self belief has a massive part in in all of this. To if we believe in ourselves, and of course, you know feeling like an imposter almost gets eliminated slightly a little bit as well. And, and one thing that obviously what we're doing within within Every Mind at Work is really focusing on that self-belief part of it as well. Um, Zoe, I'm going to jump off webcam. If, if you don't mind jumping off webcam as well, because I'm just cautious sure. of the um, internet. Um, what I'm going to quickly do, guys, less than a minute for me to do this, I'm going to quickly share my phone. So obviously this is very much down to technology. So guys, let me know if you can see my phone, you should see it now. Okay, good stuff. So within the EveryMind work app that obviously we provide in businesses and their employees, also it's um, free for six months, a trial at the moment. If you want to take it on Um, one thing that we're actually really focusing on is of course, self esteem. So employees can come in at any time. And if you want to have this access to this app as well, should attend and do not disturb, feel free to um, let us know as well. And we'll be able to potentially set you up a trial for it. But again, really kind of focusing on self-esteem through articles, through building self-confidence, through images. Um, and at the same time, we've obviously got videos being added. But one thing that I really wanted to highlight just quickly is is a feature called Your Every Mind Scores. So like I said, I think it's really important to have that self-awareness to know where you are and where you are at. But then at the main thing is, is how can I then support that? How can I then improve that? And, and we focus on the six pillars of a positive mental health. And of course, one of them is is self-belief. And, and all we do is ask a, a series of questions, Um, just 10 questions around self-belief and how much we we value ourselves. I'm just gonna quickly answer some of these questions. And then based upon these these answers, obviously the algorithm that we have will kick in and and allow you to see a baseline score of where you are when it comes to self-belief. So in this instance, from me answering those questions quickly, I've got room to grow. It tells me a little bit more about what I need to do. I can obviously say I agree or disagree to that score. But the main thing here is, here's my score in self-belief, but here's now some suggestions. So really in terms of self-belief, what can I do to improve that? And we're always tailoring it to the individual on the answers that they're given and at the same time improving the content that's there. So I definitely think if we come back to that, it's improving self-belief and trying to help you and your employees manage and monitor um, that side of it, I think is vitally, vitally important. So um, I'm going to jump back on webcam. Feel free to as well. Zoe. So, so guys, if you want to find out a little bit more about that, I'm just going to put it up here. All you need to do is come in to everymindatwork.com forward slash inquire. There's going to be some more information there about it and the free six month trial that actually um, ends in August 31st. So um, at the end of August, sorry. So if you do want to find out a little bit more about that and get you set up to trial it within your HR team or um, enroll it into your, all of your employees, and please head over to that link and, and sign up now to test out that that product. But yeah, I completely agree self- belief has a massive part in in all of this.